Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining today's Zoom's Q1 FY24 earnings release. We are awaiting additional attendees and should be underway momentarily. Thank you for joining us today. And again, for those of you who are just now joining us, thank you for joining today's Zoom's Q1 FY24 earnings release. We are admitting additional participants. We should be underway momentarily. Again, thank you so much for, for joining. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be getting started momentarily. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Zoom's Q1 FY24 earnings release webinar. As a reminder, today's webinar is being recorded, and now I will hand things over to Tom McCallum, Head of Investor Relations. Tom, over to you. Thank you, Kelsey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Zoom's earnings video webinar for the first quarter of fiscal year 2024. I'm joined today by Zoom's founder and CEO, Eric Yuan, and Zoom's CFO, Kelly Steckelberg. Our earnings press release was issued today after the market closed and may be downloaded from the Investor Relations page at investors.zoom.us. Also on this page, you'll be able to find a copy of today's prepared remarks and a slide deck with financial highlights that, along with our earnings press release, include a reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP financial results. During this call, we will make forward-looking statements, including statements regarding our financial outlook for the First for second quarter and full fiscal year 2024. Our expectations regarding financial and business trends, impacts from the macroeconomic environment, our market position, opportunities, go-to-market initiatives, growth strategies, and business aspirations, and product initiatives and expected benefits from such initiatives. These statements are only predictions that are based on what we believe today, and actual results may differ materially. These forward-looking statements are subject to the risks and other factors that could affect our performance and financial results, which we discuss in detail in our filings with the SEC, including our annual report on Form 10-K and quarterly reports on Form 10-Q. Zoom assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking statements that we may make on today's webinar. And with that, let me turn the discussion over to Eric. Hey, thank you, Tom. Hey, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. As we continue to execute on the strategic focuses, which I shared with you all last quarter, we are very grateful for the support, feedback, and trust that we have received from our customers and investors. Last month, we closed our acquisition of WorkVivo, which we are super excited about. WorkVivo is a modern employee communication and engagement platform. Their solution combines a social intranet and employee app into one central hub, forming the heart of a company's digital ecosystem. Incorporating WorkVivo's feature-rich technology into our all-in-one collaboration solution will allow us to offer Zoom customers a unified platform that keeps knowledge workers and frontline employees informed, engaged, and connected throughout the workday, regardless of in-person, remote, or hybrid work style. According to Enterprise Apps Today, cumulative employers have mobile workers who are five times more productive and feel three times less burned out. The WorkVivo team is working very hard to capitalize on this opportunity and is 100% aligned with our culture of delivering happiness to customers and employees. We are so excited to join forces with WorkVivo 
and help our customers raise the bar for employee communication and engagement. Last quarter, we reiterated our strong positioning in AI and highlighted our expanded vision to see generative AI permeate and elevate productivity across our portfolio. In Q1, we made considerable progress towards that vision. We outlined our approach to AI is to drive forward solutions that are federated, empowering, and responsible. Federated means flexible and customizable to businesses' unique scenarios and nomenclature. Empowering refers to building solutions that improve individual and team productivity as well as enhance the customer's experience. And responsible means customer control of their data with an emphasis on privacy, security, trust, and safety. At Enterprise Connect, we unveil Zoom IQ's new set of embedded features leveraging generative AI to support chat and email compose and meeting summary. We are also building new features to summarize long chat threads, catch up target meeting participants on what they missed, and brainstorm in whiteboard. Last week, we announced our strategic investment in Anthropic, an AI safety and research company working to build reliable, interpretable, and steerable AI systems. Our partnership with Anthropic further bolsters our federated approach to AI by allowing Anthropic's AI assistant cloud to be integrated across Zoom's entire platform. We plan to begin by layering cloud into our contact center portfolio, which includes Zoom contact center, Zoom virtual agent, and now in beta, Zoom workforce engagement management. With cloud guiding agents towards trustworthy resolutions and empowering self-service for end users, companies will be able to take a customer relationships to the next level. Now, moving on to some of our customers' wins, I would like to thank Major League Baseball. MLB has long used the power of the broader Zoom platform to strengthen its connection to fans and teams. And this quarter, we expanded our relationship by launching a first-of-its-kind partnership that leverages Zoom Contact Center to enhance real-time replay reviews and deliver increased transparency to baseball fans. By introducing Zoom technologies into operations on and off the field, MLB strives to create an engaging and unique experience for its fans and teams. I would like to thank Virginia Tech for expanding our relationship by adding more than 10,000 Zoom functions as well as Zoom contact center to their Zoom meetings deployment. We brought responsiveness, reliability, and regulatory compliance to this large expansion, and Virginia Tech leveraged Zoom's unified communication platform to build a next-gen solution integrated across meetings, phone, and contact center to serve the entire university community. I would also like to thank Venture Employer Services, which has grown its workforce significantly the past few years through hiring and M&A. In Q1, Venture expanded their existing footprint with us by adding approximately 10,000 Zoom phone seats and 800 Zoom contact center seats as well as our AI-powered Zoom virtual agent and Zoom IQ for sales. It's so exciting to see customers leverage our natively integrated phone plus contact center solutions and invest in our next-generation AI-enabled products across their businesses. Finally, I want to thank my plan manager, Australia's leading services provider for the National Disability Insurance Program. MPM chose Zoom Contact Center for its attractive total cost of ownership, the deep integration with Salesforce, and the vision and the future roadmap for customer experience. And our journey did not end with Contact Center. Appreciating the value of the platform, they also decided to standardize on Zoom One. 
were so happy to partner with NPM to help them deliver a world-class customer and employee experience to their clients and disability service providers. Again, thank you so much, MLB, Virginia Tech, Venture Services, NPM, and all of our customers worldwide. And with that, I'll pass it over to Kelly. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, and hello, everyone. We are pleased that we beat our top line and profitability guidance in Q1. Here are a few milestones. First, our non-GAAP gross margin of 80.5% exceeded our long-term target. Second, after adjusting for the three fewer days in the quarter, our online revenue was slightly up sequentially. And last, the moment you've all been waiting for, Zoom phone surpassed 10% of revenue in the quarter. In Q1, total revenue came in at $1.105 billion, up 3% year over year and 5% in constant currency. This result was approximately $20 million above the high end of our guidance. Our enterprise business grew 13% year over year and represented 57% of total revenue, up from 52% a year ago. As I mentioned in the quarterly milestones, our online business improved meaningfully in the quarter as it benefited from many initiatives, including the price increase and buy flow optimization. In addition, we saw online average monthly churn decrease to 3.1%, from 3.6% in Q1 of FY23 and 3.4% last quarter. We are pleased that this part of our business is stabilizing sooner than expected. The number of enterprise customers grew 9% year over year to approximately 215,900. Our trailing 12-month net dollar expansion rate for enterprise customers in Q1 came in at 112%. We saw 23% year-over-year growth in the up market as we ended the quarter with 3,580 customers contributing more than $100,000 in trailing 12 months revenue. These customers represent 29% of revenue up from 24% in Q1 of FY23 and span diverse industries such as healthcare, education, government, and more. As expected, we did experience some distraction across the global sales team due to the previously announced headcount reduction and subsequent sales reorganization. Despite the distraction, our America's revenue grew 8% year over year, while EMEA and APAC declined by 8% and 5% respectively. The decline in EMEA was primarily attributable to the outsized impact of the headcount reduction due to local regulations prolonging the process, the Russia-Ukraine war, and the stronger dollar. The decline in APAC was primarily attributable to the stronger dollar. Moving on to our non-GAAP results, which exclude stock-based compensation expense and associated payroll taxes, acquisition-related expenses, net litigation settlements, net gains or losses on strategic investments, undistributed earnings attributable to participating securities, restructuring expenses, and all associated tax effects. Non-GAAP gross margin in Q1 was 80.5%, an improvement from 78.6% in Q1 of last year and 79.8% last quarter. We are pleased that we have achieved our long-term target as we drove sequential improvement mainly due to optimizing usage across the public cloud and our co-located data centers. For FY24, we still expect non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 79.5%, reflecting additional investments in new AI technologies. Research and development expense grew by 25% year-over-year to approximately $106 million. As a percentage of total revenue, R&D expense increased to 9.6% from 7.9% in Q1 of last year, reflecting our investments in expanding our product portfolio, including Zoom Contact Center, AI, and more. Looking ahead, innovation will remain a top priority for Zoom. Sales and marketing expense grew by 4% year-over-year to $278 million. 
This represented approximately 25.2% of total revenue, up from 24.9% in Q1 of last year. G&A expense declined by 10% to $84 million, or approximately 7.6% of total revenue, down from 8.6% in Q1 of last year, as we focused on achieving greater back office efficiencies and savings. Non-GAAP operating income expanded to $422 million, exceeding the high end of our guidance of $379 million. This translates to a 38.2% non-GAAP operating margin, an improvement from 37.2% in Q1 of last year. Non-GAAP diluted earnings per share in Q1 was $1.16 on approximately 304 million non-GAAP diluted weighted average shares outstanding. This result was 18 cents above the high end of our guidance and 13% higher than Q1 of last year. Turning to the balance sheet. Deferred revenue at the end of the period was $1.4 billion, up 3% year over year from $1.3 billion. This is slightly above our guidance and primarily driven by renewals during our largest seasonal renewal quarter. Looking at both our build and unbuilt contracts, our RPO totaled approximately $3.5 billion, up 16% year-over-year from $3 billion. We expect to recognize approximately 59% of the total RPO as revenue over the next 12 months, as compared to 63% in Q1 of FY23 and 56% in Q4 of FY23. The sequential increase in current RPO as a percentage of total RPO was primarily due to shorter contract durations in recent enterprise deals arising from uncertainty in the macro environment. We expect Q2 deferred revenue to be down 2 to 4% year over year, which takes into account the recent trend of shorter durations on enterprise deals and our renewal seasonality, which peaks in Q1 and declines throughout the year. We ended the quarter with approximately $5.6 billion in cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities, excluding restricted cash. We had operating cash flow in the quarter of $418 million as compared to $526 million in Q1 of last year. Free cash flow was $397 million as compared to $501 million in Q1 of last year. Our operating cash flow and free cash flow margins were 37.9% and 35.9% respectively. Due to a net legal settlement expected to occur later this year, we are revising our cash flow outlook for FY24. We now expect free cash flow to be in the range of $1.14 to $1.19 billion. In FY24 and going forward, we expect our smallest cash tax payments to occur in Q1, and the largest to occur in Q2. Now, turning to guidance. For Q2, we expect revenue to be in the range of $1.11 to $1.115 billion, which at the midpoint would represent approximately 1% year-over-year growth, or 2% in constant currency. We expect non-GAAP operating income to be in the range of $405 to $410 million. Our outlook for non-GAAP earnings per share is $1.04 to $1.06 based on approximately 307 million shares outstanding. As our online business is stabilizing, we wanted to give you all some additional one-time color on how we see it playing out in the coming quarters. We expect our online revenues to be approximately $480 million in Q2 and be relatively flat thereafter in FY24. We are pleased to raise our top line and profitability outlook for the full year of FY24. We now expect revenue to be in the range of $4.465 to $4.485 billion, which at the midpoint represents approximately 2% year-over-year growth, or 3% in constant currency. We expect our non-GAAP operating income to be in the range of $1.63 to $1.65 billion, representing a non-GAAP operating margin of approximately 37%. Our tax rate is expected to approximate the U.S., federal, and state blended rate. 
Our outlook for non-GAAP earnings per share is $4.25 to $4.31 based on approximately 308 million shares outstanding. As we look to reignite growth and maintain profitability, we are committed to doing so in the right way. We are pleased to have recently issued our second ESG report, which includes additional data regarding our greenhouse gas emissions inventory and recommit Zoom to achieving 100% renewable energy for our direct operations by 2030. Our core value of care is as important as ever. It is embedded in how our product fosters emissions reductions while supporting inclusiveness. It's also evident in our corporate and employee giving. You heard it from Eric. We are innovating extremely quickly to bring our customers the immense benefits of generative AI and empower modern collaboration. We are trusted and loved by our amazing and diverse set of customers. And we are fortunate to be one of the most recognized brands in the world. In Q1, we made some very tough decisions related to team size, structure, and incentives that have understandably caused distraction in the short term, but at the same time exemplify our commitment to long-term growth and profitability. With a focus on the future, we have refreshed our mission and vision. One platform delivering limitless human connection. Thank you to the entire Zoom team, our customers, our community, and our investors. With that, Kelsey, please queue up our first question. Thank you so much, Kelly. And as Kelly mentioned, we will now move into the Q&A session. So when I call your name, please turn on your video and unmute. And as a reminder, in an effort to hear from everyone, please limit yourself to one question. And our first question will come from Goldman Sachs's Cash Rangan. Cash, go ahead and uh, come on video for us and unmute if you would, please. All right, well, hearing no response, we'll go ahead and move on to Mita Marshall with Morgan Stanley. All right, I think I got mine to work. Um, perfect. Appreciate it. You know, I noted that you were taking down kind of, um, or not taking down, but giving back some of the growth margin upside that you saw in the quarter uh, and noted that that was for some of your AI investments. You know, Eric, I guess I'm just wondering how you were judging kind of build versus buy when it comes to AI or just where to leverage kind of the ecosystem of AI development that's going on versus investments that you want to make. Thanks. Yes, great question. I think it looks like everyone you know, seem to have just uh, woken up to AI. Actually, we have been busy on AI front for a few years. You know, look at uh, the past several, you know, two of the largest acquisitions, right? You know, Solvay and Cats, right? All of them are AI-based. Internally, we also have an AI team as well because we understand the importance of AI, you know, in particular during recently by the generative AI momentum. I think, first of all, we do have our own AI team. We have our own internally developed AI models as well. We also will take a very open approach. You know, essentially, we announced our, you know, and federated approach to AI. You know, we announced the collaboration with OpenAI at Enterprise Connect. We also doubled on our partnership with Anthropic recently as well. And down the road, maybe some open source AI models available. We are also going to embrace that. Again, you know, we look at everything from the end user perspective, right? You know, first of all, you know, we have a team really dedicated on AI. And also when we sit down with the customers, sometimes customers say, yeah, really like Anthropic model. Yes, why not? We double down that partnership. You know, we can leverage their API as well, right? So we are taking a, a federated approach. Which is put, which is to put a customer, you know, centric, right? That's why we are very, very excited about this uh, AI, you know, momentum it can truly improve our product experience. Great, thanks. Thank you. And moving on to Michael Funk with Bank of America. Yes, hi. Thank you, guys. Um, Another question for you, Eric, if I could, just some more detail on how you think about AI integrating into your own platform. Do you think about it more as a as an enhancement or as a separate skew? Um, and then how do you monetize AI within your platform? 
screw your question. I would say the answer is, you know, about the boats. You know, you take, uh, you know, uh, our Zoom IQ for sales, for example, right? It's extremely important, right? When, when, you, when you send all the sales people back at home or work remotely, how to help them, you know, to improve their productivity. That's the reason why we announced Zoom IQ for sales and even way before, you know, the generative AI momentum, right? And internally developed, you know, uh, large language models really helped us, right? We can monetize that AI empowered Zoom IQ for sales product. At the same time, you look at our, you know, feature-rich collaboration portfolio, you know, like a meeting summary, the email canon, email and the chat composed, you know, composed a chat message and a Zoom like contact center virtual agent. And also, you know, and the recently, you know, in beta, right? Workforce management solution as well. All of them will be empowered, you know, uh, you know, based on the AI, you know, the, 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 the platform, right? So on the one hand, we leverage AI to look at almost every features we have, right? To empower those features, you know, and also elevate the customer, you know, the product experience. At the same time, a lot of monetization opportunities, right? Zoom IQ4C is just one example, right? As we more opportunity for us. Again, we think AI does bring tremendous opportunity for us because, you know, we focus on communication. I take a work vivo, for example, right? We just acquired them in the employee communication and engagement platform, you know, how to leverage AI to improve that product experience. That's another example. Again, full of opportunities here at Zoom with AI. Great. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. All right. So let's go to Cash again with Goldman Sachs. Cash, I think you're out there driving, so he's going to stay off video. Exactly. Thank you very <laughs> much. I appreciate you watching out for my safety. Uh, but just so you know that I'm not a bot, I'm a human. I just will turn on that video very uh, uh, quickly on. So, Eric, uh, I'm curious to get your take. So I want you to, if you don't mind, drill a little bit deeper into generative AI. And while uh, a lot of software companies are announcing partnerships with LLMs based on the content and, and data that they uniquely possess, uh, we're also at a point where many companies are identifying very unique workflows and productivity scenarios that, uh, that, that differentiate them going forward, right? So in that regard, uh, just so there's a scenario everybody in UCAS will ultimately have a generative AI strategy. So when you start to have these LLMs work with your core products and given the vast user base and behaviors that you have contained in your knowledge base, how do you think uh, Zoom is uniquely qualified to get productivity scenarios that are very unique to Zoom? Sorry, using the same word again, uh, yeah. that, uh, that, 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 that could be more enduring as a source of competitive advantage because the first chapter of UCAS was all about providing the core capability of the technology, which you did an amazing job of, but I'm curious the next leg of productivity growth and how you can take this company forward. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, hope, you know, we have a great integration with the Tesla cars, right? If you use drive a Tesla, it's just one click, you can join the call. You know, even if, if you can turn over the video, the audio will be always on. Anyway, so back to your AI question, I think first of all, you know, you look at the generative AI, you know, two things are very important, right? So first of all, you know, if you, you do not, you, if you do not start a few years back, just then, you know, given the what's going on in the AI industry, AI world, you say, oh my God, a lot of things. However, we already started investing in AI a, a few years back. We, we should understand that. The reason why, you know, our Zoom IP for sales was developed based on our own, you know, internally developed in large language model. Having said that, there are two things, you know, really important. One is just the, you know, model, right? So, you know, you know, OpenAI has a model, Anthropic, and Facebook as well, you know, Google and those companies. But most important thing is how to leverage these modules to fine tune based on your proprietary data, right? That is extremely important. When it comes to, you know, collaboration communication, right? You know, take a Zoom, you know, employee, for example, for example. We have so many meetings, right? And talk about, you know, in the everyday, like our sales team, you know, use the Zoom call to work with the customers. We accumulate a lot of, uh, you know, let's say internal meeting data. How to fine tune you know, the model with those data is very important, right? Not only just for the AI model itself, because it will evolve for sure, you know, and also we're also going to embrace at the same time, how to leverage our proprietary data to fine tune these AI models towards our industry. That's very important. You know, look at, you know, meeting, take a meeting, for example, right? I think, you know, this is, you know, probably, you know, we have way more data than anybody else, right? Given the, you know, all the past many years experience. How to fine tune that model with, uh, you know, those data. And I think this is our unique, we will 
uh, help us to, to deliver unique experience to customers. If any other company, even have, let's say you have a greater AI model, however, how to fine tune it? It's, it's a lot of effort, right? That's the reason why we think that's, uh, you know, something unique for us to truly empower AI to, you know, deliver a differentiated experience, you know, to our customers. Very persuasive. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we will now hear, oh, so sorry. Please continue. Okay, we'll move on to Tom Blakely with KeyBank. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for taking my question, uh, Kelly and Eric. Good to see you guys. Um, you know, there was some large, large competitor of yours has been in the news lately with uh, Microsoft possibly needing to create a separate SKU for their Teams um, uh, uh, Teams bu- uh, product in terms of debundling that product. I know how important the collaboration component is to uh, Zoom's uh, vision of becoming the uh, communications operating system uh, for large enterprises. And uh, just noting with Kelly's updated color in terms of online with that new, with the online business stabilizing, which is great. Uh, the the implied guide for the enterprise businesses is uh, for a pretty, you know, pretty good desell into the second half. So just wondering how Zoom's thinking about, if at all, the potential uh, impact or opportunity there, uh, just to get an understanding of the importance of the collaboration component to your product. Thank you. Well, as we noted, we talked about earlier in the quarter, I don't think that the the adjustment that you're seeing is necessarily related to competition and more due to, as we expected, some distraction internally due to the reorganization, but we feel great about the structure of our sales organization now with Graham, especially as our chief sales officer and Wendy leading the online team, and that we've we've made the hard decisions to get them focused and ready now to execute for the rest of the year. And, um, you know, we're just looking forward to seeing that come to light over the next couple of quarters. Okay, thank you. Our next question will come from Parker Lane with Stiefel. Yeah, guys, thanks for taking the question. Um, Kelly, I was hoping you could give us a, a better understanding of just how, uh, to what degree contract durations actually compressed during the quarter, how much that will be an impact as we progress through the year. And um, is that more of a factor in any particular product set or was it pretty much across the board? Yeah, it was pretty uniformly across our direct segment of the business, especially. And to be thoughtful about every decision, which is every buying decision, I should say, which is not new. It's just taking, giving themselves, um, you know, time to make sure that they are getting the product deployed. And we, we expect it to be, you know, not long-term in nature, but in order to reflect that, you know, we updated our guidance based on, as we talked about, deferred revenue as well for the, the coming quarter. Got it. Appreciate the caller. Thank you. We will now hear from Peter Levine with Evercore. Hi, Peter. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, maybe Eric, one for you is, you know, when you think about the use case of AI and you think across like phone, you know, video contact center, you know, where do you envision seeing the most, you know, kind of uplift in terms of you know, client adoption of AI? Um, just curious to know where, where you're seeing that today. I think on many fronts, right? You know, like a, take a anthropic, you know, investment, for example, right? For sure, we are going to leverage that, you know, not for the entire, you know, portfolio, but we are going to start from a contact center. You know, the virtual agent and, and uh, you know, the contact center related features, but also look at the, you know, our core meeting platform, right? A meeting summary is extremely important, right? And it's also, we have, uh, you know, the, our team chat solution and also how to leverage that to compose uh, a chat. Remember last year, we also have a email candidate as well. How to, you know, leverage the generative AI to understand the context, right? And, uh, you know, kind of uh, bring all the information, you know, relative to you. And it's help you auto generate the, the message, right? When you send an email, you know, back to a customer's or prospect, right? Either chat a message or, or, or an email, right? You can leverage generative AI as well, right? I think a lot of areas, you know, even like I say, like say, maybe you might be late to the meeting, right? You know, 10 minutes later, you join the meeting. You really want to understand what in the, had, you know, had happened, right? You know, can you get a quick summary? 
you know, all the positive minutes. Yeah, you just also have to generate AI as well. You also can get that as well. It's kind of uh, almost a lot of uh, uh, key use cases. So I, I think, uh, you know, we'll be empowered, you know, by those AI, you know, the capabilities. That's why we, we, we are looking at almost every area, right? How to leverage generate AI to improve in that experience. You know, take OpenAI, for example, this is a great company. And also a lot of companies are leveraging their AI. You know, not only bigger companies, small companies, we also announced the collaboration with them at Enterprise Connect, right? So that's why, you know, as I said earlier, you know, three things, right? You understand the, you know, the large language model, how to fine tune that with your own data and also revisit almost every feature you have are there any ways to empower those uh, features? Are there any ways to monetize? You know, that's why we take a holistic approach and also we like our federated approach to AI. By the way, internally, we do have an AI team. It should understand the large language models, not something, you know, other companies you just, uh, you know, have woke up to, to AI, so. Thank you. Thank you. And moving on to Rishi Juluria with RBC. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much for taking my questions. Uh, Eric, I want to stay on the AI train for a little bit. You've obviously talked about some, some great use cases and feels like there's, there's a big opportunity. I want to ask about maybe the potential to start to verticalize some of the AI solutions because, you know, it feels like you have a huge opportunity around distribution, doing things like adding uh, AI tools on top of videos for video interviews and giving real-time signals, for example. Uh, and I'm sure that's one being discussed internally. So I just want to understand maybe how are you thinking about that opportunity to verticalize? And is that something that can make maybe direct monetization a little bit more easy because the value prop is very straight out of the box? Thank you. Yes, it's a great question. By the way, I downloaded the OpenAI mobile iOS app. I, I should ask OpenChatGPT, you know, to, to answer to that question. But anyway, you are so right on. When it comes to vertical industry, you know, vertical, I, I would say the, the opportunity, the two things. One is a departmental level. Another one is vertical industry, right? You look at our Zoom IQ for sales, specifically targeted sales use case or sales, sales department, right? Contract center is for supported department. You are so right. Download HR department, right? Even marketing, almost every department, they all use Zoom, right? How to leverage AI to build a differentiated, you know, the, the solution, right? That's the opportunity. That's one, you know, op, you know, uh, opportunity. Another opportunity, read about, you know, the, the vertical industry. Like take healthcare, for example. Zoom by far is number one on telemedicine, right? You know, how to leverage that, right? And with, uh, you know, those proprietary data, right? And also working together with the customers, right? And fine tune this AI model, right? You know, this is one example. Another example is a lot of law firms are also using Zoom as well, right? And, you know, how to leverage AI to truly empower those uh, use cases is also another opportunity. I think, as I said earlier, AI truly bring tremendous opportunity to us. So, you know, we got to leverage that. The good news, we already have it invested in this area for a few years. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And our next question comes from Catherine Trebnik with Rosenblatt Securities. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, in the last two years, a lot of changes have happened. First, everybody worked from home, and now people are going back to the office. So has that actually changed any of your opportunities when you're looking at marketing your products? I was thinking in terms of Zoom Room and then some of the um, areas where you want everybody to be equal in uh, your Zoom Room viewing. So has that changed anything? Have you seen anything different from that? Yeah, it's a good question. It's good news. This question not about AI anymore. So, <laughs> so you are so right. I think during the COVID, right, as a lot of consumer use cases, right, almost every family they have a, a video conference account like a Zoom account, right. You know, after the COVID, I think you know you look at the usage, right. You know, consumer, you know, centric usage, I think less and less. But however, to support a hybrid work, you know, enterprise customers, you know, they are getting to leverage video conference more and more. Not only just to support remote work. You know, when you, when you try to support hybrid work, then, you know, how to reserve a desk, all those are basic features, right? You know, how to make sure, you know, uh, you know, when you, you know, uh, uh, join a meeting, you know, from the comp room, right? Remote people, they can see you, right? Not only just one big, you know, the uh, square, right? And so everyone, you know, who are sitting in the comp room, you know, equally we have a square as well, the Zoom square, right? So those kind of experience, extremely important, right? A lot of features are built in, upon enabling hybrid work, right? That's, you know, even work vivo is not example, right? 
you know, doing the hybrid work, right? You know, quite often use the chat, Zoom team chat, use the email or use the phone call uh, meetings. But sometimes, you know, also want to, you know, uh, announce a very exciting news and record a video, how to distribute those to employees and sometimes even to customers. That's the reason why we're quite a work available as well. I think hybrid work is going to stay. That's the reason why in a lot of new use cases, right? How to double down on that? You know, take, you know, conference room, for example. You know, we have, uh, you know, the smart gallery view feature, right? Customers like that. However, in some cases, customers say, I still don't work. I have a huge conference room. How to support that? That's the reason why we are working on supporting three cameras, right? That's another way to embrace hybrid, hybrid work. I think a hybrid work does bring another, you know, kind of, you know, huge opportunity to us, you know, you know, especially, you know, it's hard to convince everyone back to office five days a week, even for us, you know, even if, you know, I talk with many CEOs, everyone, you know, wanted, right? Sometimes they wanted to see employees more, but however, you know, this is kind of uh, to let employee work anywhere. It sort of become a fashion. It's hard to force employee back at home. That's why you have to embrace hybrid work. That's the reason why Zoom can play a much bigger role to support a hybrid work. All right, thank you. Thank you. And William Blair's Matt Stotler has the next question. Yeah, hey there, thank you for taking the question. Um, maybe just one on the contact center side. So you obviously continue to innovate on the on the product front for contact center, but last time we, we got a, a deep update, there was still some honing that was needed in the go-to-market front. We'll just get a, an update on you know what you're seeing on that front, uh, overall adoption of the contact center product suite, and then what you think are the keys to driving further adoption going forward. Okay, do you want to take it? That, yeah. So our, our contact center leader is Scott Brown. He is a great addition to our team. And we are focusing from a go-to-market perspective now in the same way that we took Zoom phone. We are hiring. We have some on board already, but we are hiring additional contact center specialists who will act as an overlay team and be there to support the account executives to go in as it's more of a technical sale and give them the opportunity to eventually over time all become versed in how to sell contact center. So we're in the process of that today. And as I said, we've approved more reps. So we're excited about making the investment there. Got it. Thank you. Yep. Moving on to William Power with Baird. Great, thanks. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question on online. It's great to see, you know, that segment finally stabilizing. Uh, maybe kind of two parts tied to that. You know, any any early color with respect to the price increases and what you've seen out of that? And as you look forward uh, for the guidance for online, maybe just some broader framework for how you're thinking about both churn and, and top of funnel. What gives you the confidence on both those fronts that this really is going to stabilize here? Yeah. So we've seen a very positive reaction to the price increase. The, when we, you know, came into the year and we were modeling it, we've actually seen better than expected retention rates in response to that. So that's been really great as well as Wendy's done a lot of work around the online buy flow, which has also seen a very positive response. And then we've talked about this in the past, but there's a whole roadmap of other initiatives that are being worked on and continue to be added, including things like additional payment currencies, additional payment types, and additional offerings. So those are all the top of the funnel items you're referring to. And then they've also done a lot of work to the, the flow when people, the cancellation flow, when people come through, which is also contributing to the improved retention rates. And we feel great about them. Now they've been it was 3.1 in Q3, 3.4 in Q4, and now 3.1 again, or maybe 3, yeah, 3.4, and now back to 3.1 again in Q1. And as we said, we expect Q2 and Q4 to be seasonally higher quarters due to the holidays in those periods and the flexibility we give our customers to come and go as they need the product. So the, the churn we're very pleased with, and we've seen the behavior expect exactly as we expected it coming back down in Q1. So that gives us confidence that it's going to be within that range for the foreseeable future. Thank you. Yeah, but, yeah by the way, just quickly to add on what Kelly said, right? So as we add more and more new services, also can help us more upsell opportunities, for, even for online segment. And take a, you know, the Zoom schedule, for example. We announced that a new service, right? You know, and some customers already paid for other services like a calendar, right? You know, customers say, yeah, I'd like to go with Zoom, you know, deploy something similar, right? This is a part of the package, right? 
I think a lot of uh, you know upsell opportunity for us to target the online segment as well. Thanks, William. And moving on to CT Panagrahi with Mizuho. Thanks for taking my question, uh, Eric. Um, when you, I just, I just want to dig into this WorkVivo acquisition. Uh, do you see that a more of a long-term opportunity, or do you see that something that we can think of? You know, this is some sort of technology that you can cross-sell into their base. Uh, you know, in near term. And, you know, what sort of, you know, is there some particular vertical or, you know, segment where you can see more tracks on there? Could you give some little bit, you know, uh, elaborate in terms of revenue opportunity from that? Yes, great question. So, first of all, you look at uh, our collaboration platform, right? We really want to offer a unified communication and collaboration, collaboration platform. You know, customers, you can live within the Zoom platform, right? I can today is one of the problems we are facing. Customer also mentioned for us as well, right? You know, quite often, you know, they, they, they send all kinds of message either to email. It's really hard to find, you know, not scalable. Or you send a message to chat, you know, buried, uh, you know, all those uh, public channels, right? You know, customer also wanted to essentially, like, say, I want, you know, uh, a video message, right? I want to share to the entire, you know, employee base and or maybe a department of news, right? All those kind of, uh, you know, the the uh, uh, content, right? Are there any other better ways to share and engage with the employee, right? I think that's the reason why. We think a worker, you know, we will, you know, can play a bigger role, right? To focus on those kind of use cases, right? It's not only for, for the short term, you know, uh, missing, uh, uh, a key missing element of our entire product follow, but also for in the long run, also is, uh, will help us a lot because of the AI, right? Because how do you make sure you have more data, right? And really, you know, collaboration, communication, you know, related data, right? It's work will for sure. You know, every day when you, you know, uh, uh, engage with your employees, you know, we are the work vivo platform. You will generate lots of data, right? All those data are very, I would say, is relevant and meaningful, right? How to leverage AI, right? As that's why, you know, in the long run, that certainly can help us more. So. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Next question will come from George Iwanek with Oppenheimer. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, Kelly, maybe building on the stabilization you've seen on the online side, can you give us a sense of what your expectations are from an expansion rate on the enterprise side, you know, as you look out over the next couple of quarters? Yeah, we don't guide specifically around the expansion rate, but as a reminder, it is a trailing 12-month metric. So, given that it's at 112% and um, you know, you can look at where the enterprise growth rate is that possibly has the opportunity to come down slightly more until it starts to reaccelerate as we expect, you know, both online and direct revenue to start reaccelerating as we get to the back half of this year. And that the net dollar expansion rate is going to trail behind that. Thank you. Yeah. And Wolf Research's Alex Zukin will have the next question. Hey guys, can you hear me okay? Hi Alex. So I, I guess I'll, I'll try the two, kind of a two-parter. One is just a simple, how do you plan to monitor, monetize generative AI functionality in the product rather than, you know, making it, uh, making it a part of the overall experience? And the second is from an enterprise revenue growth perspective, I think the rate of decel being contemplated from the mid twenties, uh, last year in the first half to, you know, just over 5% in the second quarter uh, guide Im- implied. That's a lar- much larger rate of decel than I think we all contemplated or thought. So it, it, how, how do we, like, is it upsell? Is it cross-sell? Is it, is it new products that are launching? Is it later revenue recognition? Like, what is it that's, that's driven that rate of decel? And how do you, you know, re-accelerate, obviously, but how do you get back to a double-digit growth rate uh, in, in that regard, because it, it seems like that's that's where a lot of the, the evaluation oomph is coming from for the stock. Yeah, Kelly, I addressed the first one. You, you take it a second one. I think in terms of uh, how to monetize genera- generative AI, I think you know, on, on, you know, first of all, you take a Zoom IQ for sales, for example. That's a new service to target the sales department. You know, that AI technology is based on generative AI, right? So we can monetize. And also seeing some features, you know, you know, take a, you know, even before the 
generative AI popularity. We have a live translation feature, right? And also that's not a free feature. It's a paid feature, right? Behind the paywall, right? And also a lot of cool features, right? You know, like, you know, take a, you know, the Zoom meeting summary, for example, for enterprise, you know, and the customers, if you deploy a Zoom one, you know, deploy Zoom one, they will have those features, right? For lots of customers, you know, see the like free, uh, all those uh, SMB customers, they did not deploy Zoom one, they may not get those features, right? That's the reason, another reason for us to monetize. I think there's a multiple ways to, to, to monetize, you know. And then in terms of the enterprise outlook, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we expected the distraction in Q1 as there was impact to the sales org, not only for the reduction, but also reorganization. And we feel really good about the structure of the sales organization now. And we have also, as I mentioned, we are prioritizing where we want to continue to invest and just recently committed to adding more reps in the, the contact center team, for example. We hired a leader in Europe, which we haven't had before. So really excited to have Frederick join us. And all of these put us to bring us to be very well positioned to execute for the rest of the year. And, and now we're looking to the sales team to do exactly that. And they, um, you know, we talked about we have an amazing platform that's there for them to sell, and we're all rallying behind them to support them to see them execute. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm moving on to Michael Turin with Wells Fargo. Hey there. Thanks. Uh, good to see everyone. Kelly, on the on the billings deferred revenue side, um, you came in a little bit ahead of what you were guiding for a few percentage points from last quarter despite some duration impacts. So I'm wondering if there's any way you can help us quantify those duration impacts either on Q1 or the Q2 guide and anything else you can provide just to help us think through seasonality as you've now passed the heavier renewal period, but mentioned maybe some sales transition impacts still out there. Just help us think through just what's contemplated in the guide from a few different levels. Thank you. Yeah. So I think on the... Billing duration impact. As I said earlier, we don't expect this to be a long-term impact. We think it's just indicative of some of the uncertainty that's in the macro environment today and just watching and being thoughtful about the impact that it's having on deferred. And then you also heard it, heard it in terms of RPO. But, you know, we, we've seen this impact before and we've also seen customers come back then. And I think especially as we continue moving towards more bundles, Zoom One, contact center, Zoom Phone, those are all products that customers are going to commit to for the longer term. So I think as you continue to see more and more of those in our pipeline and being sold by the enterprise team, that that duration impact will start to expand again. And then, you know, in terms of the balance between enterprise and online, we're, you know, thrilled that enterprise has stabilized a little bit earlier than we expected. Um, given the days in the month, you know, the days in the quarter, that's why we gave a more specific view because it's a little bit tricky when you look at it for the rest of the year. And, you know, the guidance contemplates all the things that we already talked about in terms of the pipeline and all the initiatives the online team is working on. And then, of course, the restabilization, if you will, of our direct sales org at the same time. Thank you. Yeah. And Ryan McMilliams with Barclays has the next question. Great, appreciate it, guys. And congrats on Zoom phone reaching 10% of sales. Just thinking back a few Thank years, you. pretty amazing that this metric only came after reaching 5 million phone seats. So quite the run. Um, look, I love all the AI questions so far, but I guess I'll just ask the boring macro question. Um, Kelly, are you seeing any differences in the impact of macro to the online segment versus the enterprise segment? And have you seen any changes at renewal on the enterprise side, maybe from an enterprise logo, like churn standpoint? Thanks. No. So our enterprise renewals, as you know, Q1 is our highest seasonal quarter and the renewals were exactly in the range of where we expected them to be for the quarter. So that was really great to see. And then in terms of online, you know, we, where we've seen strength, we've, we've already talked about, I think it's, it's increasing the top of the funnel. We've also continued to see strength in annual plans, which is great. And 
This is due to the, so just a reminder, when we did the price increase, we didn't increase the price for the annual plan. So it just shows customers, you know, committing to the amazing value that they see in Zoom and the discount that they get for committing to the long term. But of course, that's amazing for us because the lifetime value of those annual customers is so much greater. Appreciate the color. Thank you. And Patrick Wallravens with JMP Securities has the next question. I'm not sure he's out there. Patrick, do you want to come off mute and start your video for us? All right. Hearing no response. I'm we'll going to I'll come oh. off mute. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to turn off the video and you can see why. Um, <laughs> the uh, Eric, can you talk to us a little bit about sort of the um, – is the right work with the Patrick has and, and what part of that is appealing to you guys? Patrick, so sorry. Your audio is cutting out for us. Um, will you try one more time? And unfortunately, we might have to skip you if it doesn't improve. But try again, please. Uh, no worries. Eric, can you just talk a little bit more about Anthropic and what they believe in with it? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. You heard Anthropic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, Anthropic, you know, is a, a, a great partner and is this great team. And, uh, and when we look at the AI landscape, I think I why not double down on that partnership, right? And given our federal AI approach, right, internally we discussed that happen to be, you know, they are in the middle of raising another round of financing, right? That's why how to solidify our partnership, right? Again, they are a great team. The greater technology, and I think this is no brainer for us to invest in them, right? To further, you know, solidify the the, the partnership, and uh, yeah, so th- th- that's pretty much because you know, look at our content center, right? It will further empower our content center offering, right? And also down the road will be applied to, you know, uh, entire you know product portfolio. Again, this is very important, you know, to our federated federated approach to AI, and that's the reason why we invested in them. So. Thank, thanks, Patrick. We'll go ahead and move on to Matthew Nicknam with Deutsche Bank. Hey, thanks for taking the question. Um, just two quick ones on cash flow, maybe for Kelly. First, accounts receivable the last two years, it's been about a drag of 80 million this quarter, much better, only about 29 million. Wondering what changed there in terms of cash collections. And then secondly, in terms of the legal settlement, if you can just quantify and let us know maybe when we should uh, anticipate that. Thanks. Yeah, in terms of the settlement, Matthew, we, it's not clear exactly when that will be completed in terms of the payment. That's why we said for the, the full year we're updating. Um, it, it could be in Q2, it could also be in Q3. That's why we just wanted to give you visibility into that. And then in terms of your first point about collections, I think, um, Part of that, honestly, is just the continued improvement that we're seeing in our team around collections and our ongoing DSOs. And also, as we've seen online, you know, when there's more online, especially annual, that the online is mostly paid via credit card. So that is an improvement in terms of our DSOs. Usually as that's growing, because that the DSOs on online are about three days. So that helps. And the legal settlement, if you could just quantify how much that is? It's exactly the amount that's the difference between our previous guidance. That there was, let me say it this way, there was no other change to our cash flow outlook other than the anticipated potential net legal settlement. Got it. Thank you. Yep. Shebley Serafi with FBN Securities has the next question. Yeah, thank you very much. So you're implicitly guiding for your enterprise growth rate to decelerate to something like 6% in Q2 and maybe 3 to 4% in the back half. It was only double digits in the past. So um, I know you have a lot of changes this year for the sales force, et cetera. After this year, are, do you target double-digit growth in enterprise, or is it like an upper single-digit growth rate? And also related, the online business is stabilizing at 480 for the next few quarters, it looks like. Uh, it, that, at Q4, that means zero growth versus negative growth. Is it a growth business afterwards as well? So I'm just looking after this year, is online a growth business, is enterprise low double digits or a single digit growth rate business? 
all the investments that we are making today are focused on growing the top line and investing in ways to do that for the future for both online and the direct business. So that's innovation. It's expanding our platform. It's focusing on investing in the go-to-market teams in terms of what we've talked about earlier, like the contact center, adding a leader to Europe, really focusing on marketing in the, in the right way. And we haven't obviously given FY25 guidance, but the, the goal is, and we've talked about before, you know, starting to see reacceleration of growth as we exit FY24 and having that continue into FY25. I mean, we're so early in the year of FY24, but lining up everything to anticipate reacceleration as we exit the year. In the enterprise? Across potentially no, I'm just, both states. I'm just saying the enterprise, is it up, 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 upper single digits or a low double digit growth rate? It, it, the way you're targeting it, not, not guiding, just targeting. Yeah. I'm not going to get that specific, um, especially this early. We'll be prepared more prepared to talk about that later this year. Okay. Thank you. And we'll move on to Carl Kirstead with UBS. Okay. Great. Uh, hey, Kelly, just to follow on that conversation about driving for acceleration next year. And earlier on, you talked about innovation being a huge priority. That seems to me like there's the potential to shift a little bit the growth margin trade-off as you invest to drive growth next year. I'm wondering if if you're intending to signal that, you know, high 30s, 40% margins, uh, everybody on the call should consider sort of a peak. And then if I could ask a clarification, did WorkVivo impact at all uh, your guidance for this year. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Carl. So as a, a quick reminder, our long-term target operating margin is lower, much lower than where we are operating today. And that is, as we've said in the past, to give us the opportunity as we see opportunities for investment to do so. We're really focused on doing everything we can to drive top-line growth and continue to take market share. In, in the period of time where we've had you know, slower growth, we've been focused on balancing that with profitability. But as we see opportunities, we absolutely could bring our margins down. So, so yes, I think we're at probably the peak of where our margins are, you know, in, but again, we're always being very thoughtful about growth and profitability and balancing both of those. And then in terms of the work Vigo team, um, you know, given they're amazing and we're really excited about bringing them into the family, but they're having really, I would say, minimal impact on the both the top line and the bottom line today. Okay. Thank you. Yep. We have time for one additional question, which will come from Sterling Ati with Moffat Nathanson. Great. Thanks, guys. Hopefully my connection holds up. Just wondering back on the enterprise, given the online $480 million a quarter stabilization, it implies the enterprise revenue is well below street consensus. Did we analysts just have the mixed model wrong or was the disruption or something having a bigger impact on the online or on the uh, enterprise business for the rest of the year? I think there's, I think there's two things. I think first of all, we've seen online stabilize much more quickly than we anticipated or than we had been indicating to all of you. So I think the, the overall mix for the year is probably shaping up to be a little bit different than, than you anticipated and even on the, that we anticipated at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, we're doing, as I said, we're doing everything we can to focus on supporting our direct sales organization, the distraction in Q1 um, was was not de minimis, right? It, it was, as I said, it was across not only the reduction, but also a reorganization and some changes to incentives and comp plans. And so, um, you know, we're very happy that that's all behind us now, and we're all looking forward to do everything we can to support them and regain momentum there. Sounds good. Thank you. And again, this does conclude our question and answer session. So I'll pass it back to you, Eric, for any closing or additional remarks. Well, thank you all for your time. Really appreciate it for all your support. And thank you. And see you all uh, next uh, meeting. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye, and again, sorry, Kelly. And again, this does conclude today's earnings release. We thank you all for your participation. So go enjoy your summer, and we will see you next quarter. <laughs>